Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. This is God's word for us today. You may be seated. We're finishing out our series on God within us, encountering the Holy Spirit. We've been looking at the two bookends, each sermon. We start out by looking at the beginning of Matthew and the end of Matthew. The beginning of Matthew starts out with the, the promise of the coming Christ. The angel says to the shepherd, or rather Joseph, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So at the advent of the first coming of Christ, the angel says that God is going to be with you in the person of Christ. Then when Christ, Jesus, ascends into heaven, just beforehand, he gives the great commission. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, um, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the very end of the age. So whether it's the beginning of Matthew, the promise of the coming Christ, the Christ child who would grow to become a man, fulfill the requirements of the law, and die on the cross, uh, raise again, or it's the ascension of this Christ, he promises that the issue here is that God is going to be with us. He's going to be within us. God within us. So that's what we've been looking at these last four weeks. We looked at who is the Holy Spirit. We've looked at the promise to be baptized in the Spirit, that is to be immersed into the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The command then last week we looked at to be filled with the Spirit. Today we're going to take a look at the journey, the journey, the ongoing walking that out to walk by the Spirit. So as we look at this, Jesus says it's a great commission, uh, baptizing them in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. That's not a suggestion. That's what discipleship is. It's, it's, it's obeying, observing, and, and teaching others to do the same. Now, how, how are you doing with the whole obedience thing? How's it going for you? Nailing it, right? Well, walking in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, is the means by which God empowers us to actually bear fruit, actually to observe His commandments. And His commandments are hard. Love your enemies. We'll just start with that one. Who does that? Well, Jesus did, and he expects his followers to. So how? Well, we got to walk by the Spirit. So that's what we're going to look at today. Three things as we look at the text in Galatians chapter 5. Number one, what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? We, we hear that. Paul says it, walk by the Spirit. What does it even mean? Secondly, well, what does it produce? If we do walk by the Spirit, what will it produce? And on the flip side of that, if we don't walk by the Spirit, what will that produce? Third, how do I do it? 
How do I walk by the Spirit? It's one thing to read it in the text. Well, I read there's Galatians 5. says I'm supposed to walk by the Spirit. It's quite another to actually learn how and walk in the Spirit. So that's what we're going to take a look at. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you. We thank you for the inspiration of the Scriptures, which is of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Spirit, that you have... Uh, been sent by Jesus. Thank you that you open our eyes so that we might understand. And thank you, Lord, that you empower us, that we might obey. Lord, I pray that you would use the preaching of your word to encourage uh, encourage those of us who are weak and uh, that we might find our strength not in ourselves, but in you. So Lord, um, help me to preach and teach in the strength and the power of Christ that he might be exalted. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's get to it. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? So the text that was read this morning, Paul says, but I say, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. So whenever you read in the scriptures, um, someone saying that Jesus walked this way and the disciples walked that way, they're not talking about geographical directions. They're talking about a manner of living. So He says, walk by the Spirit, walk according to the Spirit. And if you do that, if you do that, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. But what is it? What is it? He's not literally talking about walking, putting one foot in front of the other uh, in 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 a sense of literally walking. He's talking about living a life that that follows Christ, which is empowered by the Holy Spirit. I think the best way to look at it is is to think of it in terms of what Amos chapter 3, verse 3 in the Old Testament, the prophet says, can, he asks a question, it's rhetorical. You should know the answer to this. It's not hard. Can two walk together except they be agreed? No. If you're on a journey with someone and they want to go west and you want to go east, can you walk together? No. No. You can only walk with someone if you're in agreement on where you're headed. So that's That's the point. To walk in the Spirit means I'm agreed with the Spirit. I'm taking my cues from the leading of the Spirit. I'm looking to hear from and follow Christ. That's what it means to be a disciple. A disciple is a follower of Christ. But to follow Christ, you've got to hear. You have to discern. You have to know where the Spirit is leading. So that assumes that that we're actually hearing from the Spirit. Hearing from the Spirit. Um, John says, oops, got a little ahead of myself. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, John says, whoever says that he abides, that is to remain, whoever says he abides in him, that's Christ, well, he ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. This is a reference to John chapter 15, where Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me and my words, they abide in you, you're going to bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. So Jesus is saying, abide in me, remain. If my words abide in you and you remain, you're going to bear much fruit. And here's what John says. Okay, do you say you abide? So, well, I'm a Christian. Of course I abide. Well, then walk as he walked. What does that mean? What does it mean, walk as Jesus walked? Yeah, it means love as Jesus loved. It means bear the character traits of Jesus. But it's more, do what Jesus did. Well, what did Jesus do? When Jesus was praying all the time, what his disciples said, hey, you pray all the time. Could you teach us to do that? Jesus withdrew and sought solitude so that he could hear from his father. 
Jesus prayed. Jesus memorized the entire Old Testament. You say, well, it's cheating. He's God. Yeah, but he had to learn to walk and, and use a fork just like you and I did. And he had to memorize scripture and read and learn to read just like you and I did. He was fully man as well as fully God. And just because he, had, he was divine does not mean that he did not struggle with memorizing things. So he hid the word of God in his heart. That's why when he was tempted in the wilderness, he could say to Satan, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, because he'd hidden it in his heart. So what, what, what John is saying is, do what Jesus did so you can hear from the Father the way that Jesus heard from the Father. And then and only then can you be in agreement with him and keep in step with the Spirit. If you're not hearing from God, I don't know. What do, where, where do I go? What do I do? So, so assuming you're hearing from God, that's a whole other sermon series. Assuming you're hearing from God, that's, that's what it means to walk in agreement. To walk in agreement. So for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So Paul immediately introduces a problem. He immediately introduces a problem, and you're probably aware of this. You're probably aware of this. So yes, we can walk in the Spirit, and, but there's something else that opposes the Spirit. And what is that something according to Paul? What's he say? The text here. It's called the flesh. So to walk in the flesh means to not be in agreement with Christ. It means to not be in agreement. And I find this interesting. He says, the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for they're opposed to each other. Look at that last clause. To keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Does that sound schizophrenic? It is. It is. But here's how it works. So I became a Christian in, in uh, April of 1988. I had 21 years, 21 years of being dead in my sins. So prior to that moment, there was never a time where I even thought about being obedient to Christ. It didn't enter my mind. So I took my cues from who? Myself, my flesh. If I was hungry, I ate. Whatever my flesh, my body said, Brooks, you should do this, that's what I did. Now there were times I would hold back and not act on instinct because, not because I wanted to obey God, but because rather I wanted to appear a certain way to a certain group of people or to a certain person. But I always followed my flesh. Whatever my flesh wanted, that's what I did. My, my God was my stomach or my libido or whatever. So it, my sexuality. So I just followed my flesh. That's what we do. I was dead in sin. But then when I met Christ, I was made alive in Christ. And that's, that's what Paul says. We were made, by the mercies of God, we were made alive in Christ. By grace through faith, you were saved. So I, have, began, I received the Holy Spirit as a young Christian. And all of a sudden, for the first time in my life, I had the desire to do what God wanted me to do. And I haven't sinned since. I'm just seeing if you're paying attention. No, that's a reality. Since I've become a Christian, I've had the desire to, to, to obey, and yet I do things I don't want to do. Before Christ, I only did what I wanted to do. But there's a new reality. They're opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. This is an important, important clause. Verse 18 is super, super important. Why? 
Because if you think that I have to be filled with the Spirit so I can obey, therefore earn the merit of God, you've completely missed the whole point. Paul has just spent four and a half chapters in the book of Galatians hammering into them, you are not made right by God because of your obedience to the law. Stop with the whole, I'm right with God because I obey the law thing. It's not how it works. You're right with God because Christ has died for you and given himself for you. Therefore, obey the law. If you get the therefore wrong and you mix the order, you, you, you'll be in despair. Paul doesn't want you to be in despair. Jesus doesn't want you to be in despair. He wants you to receive joy. He wants you to walk in the Spirit, not because that's the only way you'll ever be accepted by God, but that's how you experience the joy of Christ. Does that make sense? It's, by, it's according to grace. Hence, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. This is not a law-based thing. It's not a tit-for-tat. Obey and then God will love you. It's no, God loves you, therefore obey. Listen to him. Seek to hear from the Spirit. Yield to the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be empowered by the Spirit. Because that's where joy comes from. That's where joy comes from. Now, quick, moment, quick word before I move on. Paul is not saying your flesh is bad. Some of you think that's what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. Guess who else had flesh? Jesus, he came in a manger. He was a little fleshy bundle of joy. He wore a diaper. He did everything that fleshly people do. But yet he was without sin. So having a body doesn't make, the body's not bad. This is kind of a Greek throwover. So the spirit is good, body is bad. No, that's not the way it works in the Bible. In the Bible. When, when Christ returns or you die and then you are resurrected, guess what you'll have? A body. You will have a resurrected body. So will I. And we will be without sin. The body in and of itself is not sinful because it's a body. Adam and Eve also had flesh and bones before the fall. And they were what? What did God declare it? This is good. This is really good. So the body's not the problem. So what's the problem? Because he says the flesh, the flesh, the flesh. The, for 21 years... I didn't know Jesus. That means I had 21 years to habituate myself to do things exactly the way that I... So when, I, when there were little triggers about you should eat now, I would eat. When there were triggers that, you know, you should fulfill your sexual desire, I would seek to do that. Just, you know, it's, just, it's, it's like a Pavlovian dog. The bell rings and what do the dogs do? They slobber. Why? They've habituated themselves to know that food's coming when they hear the bell. It's a a natural bodily response. And the dogs are not being sinful, they're just being dogs. So there's a sense in which our bodies habituate themselves and under 21 years of not knowing God and then after knowing God, willfully choosing not to follow him from time to time, my body is perfectly habituated not to do anything that he says. Does that make sense? It's habituation. So, how do I walk in the Spirit if my flesh says, I don't want to go? Well, we'll get to that. But let's get to what will it produce. Well, first of all, let's take a look at what it will produce if we walk in the flesh. Now, the works of the flesh, the deeds, the things that will occur in my life and your life if we walk according to our, our habitual t- 
tendencies, uh, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, that means you don't get along with anybody, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. The And things like these pretty much fills in anything else that... Uh, that Paul missed here. And there's a lot that he didn't cover here. Now, what does he say here? Uh, I warn you, as I've warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So here's what he's saying. If you're ruled by your flesh, that's gonna be the outcome. And if that is the outcome, if that's, if this is a, this is a confusing, not necessarily confusing, but it's dangerous here. What's he say? I warned you as I did before those who do such things. What's the verb tense there? It's, it's, it's present and it's continual. Notice what he didn't say. This is important. Paul doesn't say, I warned you as I warned you before that those who have done such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Can we just say thank you, Jesus, because every single one of us have done such things, Right? Otherwise, no one would enter the kingdom of heaven if he's talking about what our past lives were like. This, those who do means an ongoing practice of doing such things. So those who continue to do these things and have no desire, if there's no, you know, here's the good thing. Paul said, if you are doing what you don't want to do and you're frustrated by that, why is that so? Because there's a battle. You have the spirit, but your flesh is not cooperating that's an indication of the fact that you have the Spirit. If there's no battle, well, that's an indication you don't even have the Spirit. If there's no wrestling match. This is a battle. Okay, so that's the outcome. That's the outcome. But, this is a comparison and a contrast, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing there is no law. Notice what he says here. It's the works of the flesh, but it's the what of the Spirit? Fruit. So works are something that I do. I can take credit for them. Well, I did that. I did that. Fruit is something God does. Now, it's not fruits as in plural. It's the fruit. But the fruit has has is many faceted. It's not it's not the fruit of love, the fruit of joy. It's the fruits of the spirit which is it's the fruit singular love joy. It looks that's what it looks like. It looks like the character of Christ. It looks like it's something that God does. Jesus said, "I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me, my words abide in you, you will bear much what? Fruit." Why? Because he will produce it in us. It's what he produces. It's not what we produce. Our job is to walk by the Spirit. His job is to produce the fruit. His job is to produce the fruit. So that's what God produces in us when we yield, when we yield ourselves to him. So if you were not here last week, it would be helpful for you to go back and listen to the sermon last week, which was about being filled with the Spirit. These are connected. These are connected. So I'm not going to go back and redo that. It's important to know what that means. So walking in the Spirit is fleshing out what it means to be filled with the Spirit, which was last week. Okay, so how do we do it? How? 
I said, great, you've given a description. I kind of know what it is, sort of. Uh, and here's what it will do. Here's what the, the Holy Spirit will yield through me if I do it. How do I do it? Because I'm that person who does what I don't want to do. I would like to be more loving. I'd like to be more gentle. I'd like to be more self-controlled. But I find myself not being those things or not in the degree that I desire to be. So how do I do it? Let's take a look at what Paul says. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Okay, who crucifies the flesh here? Who's the, who's the person doing the action? Who's the person with the hammer and the nail? Who is it? You. God will not do this for you. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. This is something that followers of Christ do. It simply means, no, I'm going to tell myself, no. No, I'm not going to listen to you. You are not my boss, stomach. You're not the boss of me. Just do what you used to say to your sister and your brothers when you were five. That's, you are not the boss of me. Christ is the boss of me. Wonderful grammar, I know, but it's, it's easy to understand. With his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, well, let's keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, he's using the metaphor of walking. So when t- if two are, can two walk together if they're, not, if they're not in agreement? The answer is no. But if I'm in agreement, so Christ is saying, Brooks, let's go. And I, and I submit and I yield to him. In that moment, Christ will give me the strength to take the next step. He will make certain that the ground that I step on is firm. That does not mean that the, 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 the path he takes me on will not be hard. Of course, it's going to be hard. Following Jesus is hard. But he will give me the ability and he will give me the strength to keep in step with the Spirit. It just means to yield every moment to Christ. So those who crucify the flesh, to crucify the flesh, it simply means to put, Paul puts it this way. He says that we're debtors. This is Romans chapter 8. But not, we're not debtors to the flesh, but we're debtors to, to the Spirit. Therefore, we put to death the misdeeds or the deeds of the body. In other words, we put them to death. He says something similar in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, where he tells the church in Colossae, he says, put to death the, the, the works of the flesh. In other words, this, is, this, is, this sounds like, gosh, that sounds hard. It is hard. It's like, I thought I was supposed to coddle my flesh. No. This doesn't mean flagellate yourself or wound yourself. It means tell yourself no. Tell yourself no. The Holy Spirit says, you know, you ought to, you ought to reconcile with that person. You ought to love your enemies. And what is, what is your flesh going to tell you about that? Just t- you tell me. Your flesh is going to say, that's a great idea. That sounds like the most awesome thing in the world. It's to die to self and carry my cross. No, the flesh is going to say, that sounds awful. You know what you should do? You should remain bitter because that'll help. And that's what your flesh will tell you. And you're going to say, yeah, I should remain bitter. Great idea. And that'll lead to the misdeeds of the body and you'll just look like that passage in Galatians. But if you tell yourself, no, 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 I know it's hard, but I'm going to forgive. I'm going to love. That no one will applaud you necessarily, but you'll have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Easy. Let's pray. And Father, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's not easy. So first of all, you got to ask yourself, do I want that? Do I want the fruit of the Spirit? If you want the fruit of the Spirit, you got to 
listen to the Spirit, and keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, yield yourself to His leading. That assumes you're hearing from Him. By the way, the, the Father will not read the Bible for you. The Father will not pray for you. The Holy Spirit will not cause you to dwell in Christian community. He won't, he won't do it for you. He won't get you out of bed in the morning. He won't prevent you from streaming Netflix 24-7. He won't prevent you from doing things that you ought not to do. There's a sense in which we have moral responsibility. Again, this is not works. But those who belong to Christ, they crucify the flesh. There's action here. And that doesn't merit anything. It's just simply taking a cup and saying, could I have more grace? That's not a meritous act. But God will not take the cup, put it in your hand, grab your hands and put it under the fountain. And if you're thinking I'm preaching works, talk to me after the service. I'm not. Faith without works is what? Dead. It's dead. It isn't really faith. Now, if you're doing this to earn God's favor, that's awful. And Paul's already written the first five chapters of Galatians to say that's not how it works. The grace and works are not opposed to one another. One flows from the other. One flows from the other. So do you want it, first of all? Do you want it? It will require that we submit ourselves. And that's, and full disclosure, the Spirit's going to lead you into places that are hard. Like submitting to people you don't want to submit to. Maybe you work for them. Maybe you're related to them. Like reconciling with people that are obnoxious. And you're thinking, I'm sitting next to him. Or her. Or them. Yes. Yeah, Christ says, maintain the unity that the Spirit has bought for you. That requires work. It requires work. It's difficult. So, first of all, you got to ask, do I want it? And if you say, yes, I want that, there's another question. What if, actually, that shouldn't be if. It should be, what do I do when I have failed? What do I do when, not if. What do I do when I have failed? Not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. So last week I preached on being filled with the Spirit. Do you know what I was not filled with yesterday? Just take a wild guess. The Spirit. Do you know what I was filled with yesterday? Food, corn, lots and lots of it. So I went to my, my, my dad's in Newton. We had Christmas uh, with uh, my dad, my stepmom, and I didn't eat anything in the morning because I knew I was going to be there. Well, it's the holidays. What do you do during the holidays? We eat, right? And so... I get there and and there's this cream cheese corn dip that are there's jalapenos in there and there's uh, barbecue um, chili Fritos and it's a dip and and I just thought it was a good idea to eat four platefuls of that why <laughs> why would I not do that it tasted so good I'd never had it before and then I woke up in the middle of the night burping Fritos and corn <laughs> and I was absolutely miserable. 
I was abs- I thought to myself, you should go throw up. You'll feel better. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to start down the track of bulimia. I'm not going to do that. And it all of a sudden occurred to me that last week I preached on being filled with the Spirit, and I'm filled with corn right now. Lots of it. And I'm burping it. And I can't sleep. And I realized that the day before, I exercised zero self-control. None. None. None whatsoever. In fact, my dad at one point said, son, if I ate as much as you, I'd fall over dead. And I was like, (laughs) he's giving me a warning. Just push through the warning signs. Just more, more. Why? Because my stomach says, you should feed me. Am I hungry now? Absolutely not. Does it taste good? Sure it does, but not the second time. When it comes back up, it doesn't taste good then. I'm experiencing the works of the flesh because I was not filled with the Spirit. So what do I do? You know, it's funny because it's gluttony and it's Christmas and everyone does it. It's not funny when it's adultery, though. It's not funny when that becomes a pattern of life which leads to obesity, which leads to diabetes, which leads to health problems. It's not funny when it's drunkenness. It's not funny when it's fits of rage and your anger and your rage hurts the people that you say you love. Nobody laughs then. Like we all laugh at ourselves when we eat too much. So what do you do? What do you do? What do I do? We've got three options. Number one, we can pretend. We can pretend. And by pretend, I mean lie. You know what I didn't want to do today? I didn't want to use myself as another example of abject failure. I'd like just once to give myself the option of saying, and this is how you do it. Look at me. Look at what I did. But no. I thought, I prayed. I was like, Lord, I don't want to make this sermon about me. But then I realized my motive for, well, that's just because you don't want to look like a failure again. So I can pretend, you can pretend, well, it's too late. Cat's out of the bag. I'm a glutton. So I can't do that anymore, at least not this week. So I can, I can pretend, next week, I can pretend, you can pretend, and you can just come to church, and you can you can put on your Sunday best, well, actually, not so much at Grace. You can just put on your jeans like everybody else, and you can come to church, and you can pretend that you have it all together. Your marriage is an absolute shambles. You're an angry mess. You have no self-control, but you can come to church and look the part and not open up to anybody else and tell them what you're struggling with. You can do that. And the reference here is 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. Here's what John says. He says, if you say that you're without sin, you're a liar and the truth of God does not dwell in you. So I can pretend that I have self-control and lie to you and just open up the Bible and let's turn to Galatians chapter 5 and let's be like Paul, blah, 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 blah. I can do that and lie. But the truth of God will not be in me at that moment and I will not be walking in the Spirit. You can't walk in the Spirit and pretend at the same time. The Spirit does not want pretenders. wants authentic followers of Christ who are not perfect but empowered. Second option, 
you can just say no. I will not walk in the Spirit. You can be that toddler in the parking lot holding mom's hand. She says, come on. Toddler's like, no! Drops to the knees. Mom has to drag the kid, and then social services come on the next day because the shoulder is all out of whack because you refuse to walk. If you are a child of God, and that is a capital if, and you rebel, you will experience the Lord's discipline. Why? Not because he hates you, but because he loves you. Do you know what discipline feels like? It hurts. Do you know what discipline was for me last night? Heartburn, burping, having corn and Fritos in the back of my throat in the middle of the night. That is the Lord's discipline. It's the natural consequences of rebellion. I'm not going to walk in the spirit. I'm going to eat a whole bowl full of corn dip. By the way, somebody after the first service says, that was an awesome sermon. Can you give me the recipe of the corn dip? (laughs) It's not even a lie. (laughs) Totally lost you. You were paying attention. This is really profound until just now. Now you want the recipe for the corn dip. So if you are a child of God, God will discipline you. And your life will become more difficult than it already is because of refusing to walk in the Spirit. And thank God that He loves you enough to make, give you heartburn. Thank you. Thank God that He loves us enough to make our lives difficult, or we, when we make our lives difficult, to allow those consequences to flesh out. It's not because He wants us to suffer. It's because He wants us to prosper. So the third option is the only real option, and that's walk it back. Now, what does that mean? It means to repent. It means to say, yes, yesterday was a day of abject gluttony. And you know what? I'm ashamed of that. Sure, it's a funny illustration, but it wasn't funny last night. It wasn't funny when I was journaling that I'm sick and tired of failing for the millionth time on the same stupid issue. And I know that you, you know why you laugh at that illustration? Because that's you with a different issue. It's not corn dip for some of you. It's, it's other things. So this battle is real for you. It's real for me. It's real for us. So how do we walk it back? It starts with understanding that this is not according to the law. If you walk by the Spirit, you're not under the law. If you think that God's acceptance of you is your success in not being a glutton, your success in not being a drunkard, your success in not being a sexual addict, your success in being gentle when you're really just a jerk, if your success in this and this, if you think that God's love for you is predicated upon your success, you will utterly walk in despair or you will rebel and you will say, I can't do this the heck with God. It's not according to the law. Do you know that Christ has taken my shame to the cross? Do you know that he's taken my gluttony to the cross? He's taken my pride to the cross. He's taken my lust to the cross. He's taken my greed to the cross. He's taken my apathy to the cross. He's taken all of my sin of the flesh to the cross. And he has yours too. God cannot love you less than he does in Christ, regardless of your track record as an abject failure. It's not according to works, it's according to grace. But because it's according to grace, 
I can walk it back. And that, that first John chapter one, I can confess my sins to the Lord and I can tell you. I can pour out my heart to my brothers and sisters in Christ and tell you I lack self-control. And I can tell God what he already knows that I lack self-control when it comes to food. I'm selectively disciplined in the things I want to be disciplined in. And because of that, I can confess my sins to the Lord. And, Paul, and, and John says, you know what? And he's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. In other words, he walks that out. Not only does he forgive, it's, it's more than just a pardon. He purifies. In other words, he cleanses, he changes, he grows. Here's a frightening thought. I'm more self-controlled at the age of 54 than I was 24. I would have eaten eight bowls of corn back when I was 21. So, so I'm growing. I am more loving, more patient, more kind, more gentle. I have more self-control. And I can't boast of that. That's, a, that's the fruit of the Spirit being produced in me, but I have not arrived, and neither of you. But we have been empowered if we choose to keep in step with the Spirit, which is completely our call. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Give us the faith to walk in that grace. Give us the faith to keep in step with the Spirit. And Lord, we pray that you would produce in us love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Lord, produce those things in us so that we might enjoy you more and so that we might bring glory to you. Lord, the spirit is willing. That is our spirits, but our flesh is weak and our flesh wants nothing to do with your will. So Father, give us grace upon grace to submit ourselves to you, be filled with you, and be empowered by you so that we can honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.